Folks, welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Margaret Yonada. With me as always, Richie Byrne. You wrote me a note back on, on the private chat, and I was so busy just writing yup to it that I completely <laughs> missed the opening. It takes you five minutes to get to the... I, I'm the I, same. I I'm tried awful. to write Y-U-P, and I kept writing Y-U-O. And I'm like, he's not going to stand U-O. <laughs> I like it. Oh, my God. I haven't slept in two days. I'm having a horrible... My dog is going through something. He's up. He's down. He's jumping on the bed, off the bed. He's going under the bed. This is like a 15-year-old dog. So every time he wakes up, really? I'm like, this could be the end. I got to get up. This could be it. It's funny. He says the same thing about you. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's not that old, but boy, does he drink. <laughs> He's constantly getting up to piss. <laughs> at least, At least I piss in the yard. He pisses all over the bathroom floor. <laughs> well, you're home you were away yeah. last week yeah it was uh down in myrtle beach um i love that club i love uh the owners jeff and christine uh i cannot believe that nobody in south carolina believes there's a pandemic going on they they put their mask on the walk from the car to the place they're going and then they take it off as soon as they walk in well, that's weird because wearing it outdoors isn't as important as wearing it indoors. So I, they just want people to see that look, we wore the mask. Okay. Now we're inside. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Wow. But, uh, but, uh, I had a to be back on stage. Oh God. It was so fun. I worked with a guy, Warren B hall. Have you ever worked I know with him? Or, his no. headshots. He's one of those guys, his headshots in every club you every go club. to mm -hmm. never worked with him. And then I, uh, I finally got to work with him, and it was like uh, he was great. Like we 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 had such a good time. We were the only two that wore our masks the whole time, other right. than on stage. I would take it off on stage, but um, you know, I don't want to complain too much. I was getting to tell jokes to live people, so I was right. very happy about that. How about you, Richie? It's thought Friday, Friday night. I'm in Brewster, New York. It's an outdoor show. That's and, cool. Uh, Friday and Saturday was really cool. Uh, Mariano, who runs it, said, hey, man, we're going to try and book up Friday. This was like a month ago, two, six weeks ago. He goes, if we can sell out Friday, we'll try and do Saturday. He called me two days later. He goes, Friday sold out. Let's try for Saturday. Two days a day later, and said, Saturday sold out. That's how badly people want to get out. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's all good, but we really should get started because yes. I know – our guest is backstage just being a complete twat. <laughs> talking about they're so uninteresting. You know she's doing all of that. She's telling <laughs> get them off. So here's the guys. We have a great, great guest, one of my favorite people in the world. The lovely, the talented. Oh, wait, no, Lisa Lampanelli's here. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, you guys know Lisa. She's the former queen of mean. Uh, she retired in 2018. She's got a new show coming out called Sit Down and Shut Up. And we're going to talk to her for an hour all about what's going on, what she's doing. Everybody seems to be excited on the comments. Yeah, uh, the comments are blowing up. I love it. We're going to switch over to Twitch, though. You can't watch on Facebook. I know we're on Facebook now, but we're going to switch over to Twitch. And when we do, we're going to do an hour with Lisa Lampanelli. So you got to switch over. Twitch.tv, and then you just search drinks, jokes, the letter N, storytelling. And it's so easy. It's free. It's 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 so it's so much more fun. We can have fun with the comments. You can talk to us, and yeah. we get to see it. So join us. We're going to hop over now. If you're a nerd and staying on Facebook, good night. Um, but if you're cool and you're going to join us, come on over. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Why so serious? But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Well, I'm not good at leaving I want you to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. 
Yay! We are What's back. Go. What's that? Did I not? Was I supposed to jump in there? Or <laughs> no? Now's the time, buddy. Welcome to Twitch. We're here. We're ready to rock and roll. It's going to be a great show. This our our guest today needs no introduction. So let's just get her out here, guys. Give it up, Elisa Lampanelli. How about it, Lisa? Hey! hey! Wait, wait! I was being bored to death listening to your introduction. By the way. If you're just tuning in on Twitch, why the fuck are you? <laughs> Maybe for Mark, but Richie, are you kidding me? Richie, by the way, hey, Mark, I'm sorry your dog's getting older and you think it's the end. I've thought it was the end of Richie Burns' career for the past 15 <laughs> years. <laughs> what? I've been right. Lisa, I'm on Twitch. It is the end. <laughs> I know, you know, it's so funny, the stuff we do. I literally got your email about coming on the show probably six months ago and then the pandemic is going on my mother got COVID almost died three times oh, unfortunately, no unfortunately she lived and she's fine now so I'm like I gotta get back to Richie Burns so he doesn't think I think who the fuck I am ignoring his calls so well, I, I I'm so happy I'm on your three your three viewers will be thrilled also <laughs> Richie, though, you and I share a birthday. That's the only thing I like about you. Yes, we do. July 19th. You Me and I. Jim Norton. Which one of us is the biggest degenerate? I'm guessing you, because I think behind a cool calm exterior, uh, there lies the heart of a creep who has weird <laughs> sexual things happening and things up his ass. That's all I'm saying. The funny thing is, Norton makes no bones about that. I At know. And hide it. Like this is the thing. I don't have sex. I I just I'm I'm absolutely asexual ever since I was married to Jimmy Big Balls and got turned off by the sack. So <laughs> I'm thinking between the three of us, me, you, and Rick Adana, I'm like, hey, oh, who the f is having less sex than the two of yous? Are you married? Married two kids. But you did get kind of fat since I known you. Oh uh, yeah, you looked yeah. much better 15 years ago, and that's oh, yeah. okay. We'll whip you back into shape. Just get your stomach cut out the way I did, like the big pussy that I am. <laughs> think there's no hope for you. You look like a drunken Irish donkey. Well, I, remember, <laughs> I remember when you came on Dr. Oz after you had the surgery. Listen, I love that Dr. Oz. Let me tell you something. I think he's going to be the host of Jeopardy. What do you think? I don't. I think it. I don't. You know, I, you know why? Because there's, there's, I, I just think that he won't have time. That's if he true. Show going and everything. So I don't think it's going to be him. I think he just wanted to do it, you know, for, for to fun. It. Yeah. But he's killing it. He's doing really well. Yeah. And well, you know, Aaron Rodgers is doing it now. And I hear he's doing great, which is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to get your job back because I can't even imagine how you're earning money right now. Like oh, you're doing no gigs. I mean, because obviously you're not working during the pandemic, but not because of the pandemic, just because you're not funny. And, and, see, here's what happens, Richie. I retire from stand-up. I retire from insulting people. I see you, and it all comes out. I want to apologize to the audience. And I look at the audience sincerely. Listen, both of you, look at me. The two of you in the audience, I apologize for the, for the previous slandering of Richie Byrne and calling Mark fat. I'm sorry. <laughs> Richie's also fat. Bye. <laughs> okay, I apologize. Yeah, but I'm good at it. <laughs> you are really good at it. How's your wife, by the way? How is your way too hot wife? She said to say hello to you. She, We had such a good time that night. You and her became fast friends at the Friars. She's a great lady. What's her first name again? Cindy. Cindy's cool as F, man. She really is. If she didn't have that other boyfriend on the side, she'd leave you in a shot. Like, come on, man. You know she has a piece on the side. How can you be satisfying? I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> I love you, man. You know you're my favorite. No, I've known you. Let me tell you something. I don't know why I know this, but and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember when we met. It was in Connecticut at that club. Treehouse. Yes. No, it wasn't Treehouse. It was another club. And you were in a... An improv group. Oh, my God. I did improv once. I did it. And, okay, you know how improv, people who are watching, there's two ways to do comedy. In improv, you have to say yes and. You take the suggestion and you further the scene. I'm a no but 
person in real life. Like, I'm so does it want to go hiking? No, but I'll sit on my fat ass for five hours. So I'm a no but personality. So improv never worked for me. I was always <laughs> awful at it. I wanted all the laughs for myself. I decided to go for it, be stand-up comic. We're way too self-centered, I think, to be improvers, don't you think? Uh, I yes. don't know. I think some <laughs> comics, some stand-ups are, but others, you know, are, are not, not everybody needs all the attention on them all the time, like you. I so, do. I do, Richie. Do. I, I, that's to. why. That's why I have horrible, horrible family holidays, because if they're not asking about me, I don't care. Like the fact that my mother almost died in COVID, don't ask about her. I'm sitting here. She's in the home. Calm the fuck down and talk about Lisa Lampanelli. That's how I roll. <laughs> when did she have it? She had it right before Christmas. So it was a horrible Christmas because every the doctors literally called us and they go, she's 91, by the way. Right. She's a real battle axe. Like she's the type she, I, I mean, this is her personality. I'm, I'm her fault. Definitely. So she's like, we're getting a call from the hospital going, prepare yourself. She's non-responsive. So that's like a really sad statement. Mm -hmm. So yeah. right then I seized custody of her house and cried, but I had to seize custody of the house. Come on. I'm not going to get out of this relationship <laughs> with nothing. So believe it or not, two days later, she calls up and I'm like, oh my God, you were supposed to be dead. So it was honestly, thank God, because she really is, I mean, for all that we fight and used to fight growing up, she's my girl. Like she's crazy, but she's like me so much that I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'm glad she's still around. Right, right. Wow. 91. Right. Awesome. Yeah. I had it right before Christmas too. And you didn't die except the career's gone, huh? Well, I'm used to dying. You see. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, have you when you had COVID, was it awful or was oh. it oh I, I just slept a lot for 10 days. I really didn't have and I had no sense of smell. That was wow. so you would say that your AIDS was worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you clearly did not have AIDS, you chubby bastard. <laughs> it's great when you lose a bunch of weight, you get to call everyone else fat. It's terrible. I shouldn't be doing it. It's just you know, like, it's, funny, it's funny you say that, Lisa, because a few years ago I lost weight for a charity event. Yeah, I remember that. And I noticed that I was like so I had no patience for overweight people in my head. I wouldn't say it out loud like you, but I would yeah. like yeah. you know what I mean? Somebody be walking by and be like, look at this fat fuck. I know. And you want to know what's interesting about that? It is, we are horrible people for that. Because I started noticing, this was right before COVID, that I have such internalized ageism and fat phobia and ableism and all that stuff you're not supposed to have, that I was like, I got to become like a millennial and start having more tolerance for people who are different than me. Because honestly, we're all lying if we don't get admit to getting angry when the old person is walking slow in front of us. Without a doubt. And it's awful because we're going to be that person someday. So I say we get it out on stage and yeah. then we kind of deal with it in our own lives. Well, we're not even allowed to get it out on stage anymore. That no. Listen, there's, there's other healthy ways to get it out. Like, for instance, I was over at my mom's assisted living today because she has to be in a, in a assisted living joint. Well, lunch was just getting out. So there was literally, I am not kidding, a lineup of 10 or 12 senior citizens with walkers waiting for the elevator. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, because I'm like, should I have to wait for them? I'm able-bodied. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, you can attack the old people. They don't have internet to go after you. Okay, I just want to say, who is that? And I don't like that there's now a third guy talking. No, Tom's just sitting there. Oh, okay. Tom, you just sit there. No one cares about you. We care about Mark. <laughs> Mark and Lisa. We don't even care about Richie Byrne that much. No. With no. that face door behind him. What is that? It's, Plywood? A it's a sliding door. Listen, I don't imagine you have enough money for real wood. <laughs> I haven't had real wood in you. Listen, Richie, how old are you, by the way? Are we the same age? I think you're younger. No, no, you're older than me. Oh, so you're going to be 59 this, this year. I mean, huh? 
I'm going to be 58. 58. So you're two years younger than me. Oh my God. Why do you look so much worse? Let's, let's. Guy <laughs> <laughs> with large head who just spoke when he wasn't supposed to. I have, you think Richie Burns looks well beyond his ears. Two, two words for you why I look worse. Coastal entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is awesome. That's an inside joke and I'm going to explain it. <laughs> management. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Listen, but so, so I met you, I don't know. And I remember I was with Ben Creed. I even remember who the other comic was. Yeah. And, you and your husband came up and you were questioning me about stand up, and you said you wanted to get into it. You were the, and the next thing I knew you were, there you were, you were doing stand up. I, I thought you were going to say you were questioning me about stand up, why I'm in the business. <laughs> no, no, no. Was, this was back when she was nice. Yeah, this was back. <laughs> Before I knew I was going to have a future and Richie didn't. Let me tell you something about <laughs> Richie Byrne. I'm going to tell you something about Richie Byrne. He, I have a very soft spot in my heart for him because he's one of the very few comics I actually would use the term friend. I would actually be like, he gets it. He's a great guy. I personally think you should have been way more famous than you are. Me too. Which is any famous at all, because you're not. No <laughs> you I think the problem was... The last name is terrible. You, you know, ever says Burns. It's too confusing for people. People are stupid. I don't like it. I would have changed it to Ed Burns. And this way, when you show up and you're not the famous director, writer, they're disappointed, but then your act brings them around. It's a hook. See, Coastal Entertainment should have seized on you that hook. Gold, God damn it. <laughs> Do you ever say to yourself, I'm sad that I didn't really have a shot? Do you ever say that? <laughs> yeah, I, that was meant as a loving question. Who laughed? That was really I, used to. I used to, but not anymore. I'm glad about that because you know what? We all have our place. And you know what? There's always going to be something more to achieve that doesn't make us happy. Do you mm. think for a second I was any happier when I would be like, oh, I did this bigger place or that big it doesn't add to the real happiness. Your happiness is internal. So I would rather have your loser with a dream life <laughs> and not work as hard as I did because you clearly have dropped the ball but are happy. <laughs> I, I can totally see how you transisted from the queen of mean to an inspirational speaker. Okay, like, I can feel the difference. First of all, transisted isn't a word, you fucking dummy. Ricky, <laughs> <laughs> why is he talking? I don't know. Like Why would I ask that every week? I mean, oh, he talks all the time? He pops in. All the time. No Wait, one knows why. See, I had the impression I was talking to two people. I don't like this one. <laughs> I'll handle it, but I am under duress right now. <laughs> Continue with our line of questioning, Richie. Go ahead. I want to tell, uh, and I want to tell you guys a story. Good. So then I got to know you. We were working together a lot, and um, it was like 1998, 1999. I was on a tour of the South. And my last stop was in some Mexican restaurant in Virginia. Oy vey. And you were the opening act. Right, right. Seven people, Mark, there were seven people in the audience. And she said to me, I have this new bit I'm working on. I really want your opinion. I want you to see what you think. And she went up. I have never seen a comic alienate seven people like that in my life. They hated her. There oh. were two old people in the front. You were destroying those two old people. I will never forget. <laughs> well, you guys fuck. Is there sawdust or whatever she was doing? You know. <laughs> so after the show, Lisa come up to me. She goes, "What do you think?" And I said to you, "I said, stop this immediately. <laughs> you can't. No one will let you open for them. You will not get work." But within four months, you were headlining Caroline's, and I was your opening act. Yeah, I remember, I remember I hired you. I'm you hired me so you could tell me, go fuck myself. Well, no, I actually did not even hire you out of pity. I hired you because you were so damn funny. Thank but you. then well, I eclipsed you, and clearly I left you in the dust. Yes. 
with the old people. I always felt I should have openers for the most part who were either gay guys or chicks or some other disenfranchised population. So mm -hmm. you as a white guy got left behind like the yeah. rest of That was the beginning of the white male heterosexual getting fucked in the, for the rest of his career. Oh, come on, Richie. You kind of look like a lesbian when you shave. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, but you know, you are not the only one to have given me horrible advice that I ignored. Uh, there was a guy at, Stan no, at the comic strip. When the comic strip used to be the club to get into, when it was like 20 something years ago and it was like, oh my God, I got into the strip, holy crap. I remember a guy came up, you know him, I won't say his name. He came up to me and he goes, you know, I kind of like what you're doing, but uh, you shouldn't say the word, you know, and I can't say the words anymore, but you know, the different slangs for the different races. And I think at that point I got too much advice from dumb white guys who didn't have careers yet. And I said to him, I said, hey man, honestly, if I want advice, I'll ask somebody with a career. And I walked away. <laughs> and that guy, he's in the dust now. Like they all get, they all they all try to be big shots and give you advice when you don't ask. Like you, I asked for advice and ignored it because I felt sorry. <laughs> it all worked out though. Look at us all friends, me kind of looking at my watch. <laughs> You were always, always a good friend to me. You never, you never played the I'm a big name card ever with me. Do you remember one night, guys? I was going to opening night of um, it's God, it's about seven, eight years ago. Opening night of Billy Crystal's one man show, Seven Hundred Sundays on Broadway. Yeah, and I'm with Mike Vizi, which you guys know. Lisa doesn't know him, but I'm with Mike Vizi, who's a huge Lisa Lampanelli fan, mm -hmm. and. We're online, we're on the street, whatever, I think it was 44th. And all of a sudden I hear Richie Bird, Richie Bird. And I look down the street and who's coming up the street? Lisa Lampanelli screaming my name. And my <laughs> buddy can't believe that Lisa's just screaming my name. And we ended up talking a little bit. And then we went to go inside and Derek Jeter was in front of me online. And I, I ha he had three bodyguards and I tapped him on the shoulder and like the bodyguards turned like real fat. And I go, I just want to say thanks, man. And so I just want to say thank you. And yeah. Derek Peter sticks out his hand and goes, no, thank you. And I go, it was nothing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, you really buried the lead on that one because the Derek Jeter part is way more impressive. <laughs> so my buddy Mike is a big Mets fan, hates the Yankees. So oh. I'm like, Dude, do you believe that just happened? And he goes, Lisa Lampanelli was just screaming your name on the street, and you think Derek Jean is a big deal? Oh, my God. Well, you want to know what's funny? First of all, there's several things about that story that I love. First of all, I am shocked you ever got invited to the opening night of anything. <laughs> less the Oscar, the Tony-winning show by Billy Crystal. I, I don't know who's D-U-S to get that, but nice work. Second of all, ironically, I was at the opening night. Look at how I'm going to one-up him, guys. This is going to kill him. I, at the opening night of, oh, did you say Hamilton? Yes, Hamilton. <laughs> Jeter, no lie. Derek Jeter was right across the aisle from me. Guess what? He says hi to me. <laughs> and he thanked her. I had met him a couple years earlier at a bar and I was such a big fan and his girlfriend Minka Kelly at the time was a fan of mine. She goes, do you guys want to come as our guests to Derek Jeter's box in Yankee Stadium to the game tomorrow? Wow. Well, want to hear how dumb I am? I, of course, say yes. You thought he meant her pussy. Excuse me? You yeah. thought he meant her pussy. Okay. This is why he should be quiet. Um, <laughs> I'm cock block in the rest of the story. It's a good part. Yeah, come on, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Okay. So she asks us if we're going to go to the box. So I say, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That Derek Jeter's box. Imagine how cool that is. Well, I think she means take the whole box for ourselves. I invited 14 people. <laughs> well, I at the last minute I go, maybe I misunderstood. So I text her and I go, Minka, how many people should I invite? And she goes, Oh, like one other than you. I had to cancel 12 fucking people. Guess who I took? 
Jimmy Big Balls. Jimmy Big Balls. It should have been somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was trying to get in the poon at the time. He was trying to get sniffing around LL's box. Okay, there you go. Call back to you, big head. <laughs> By the way, how did you get invited to the Billy Crystal thing? Um, I wanna I wanna contest. No. Um, I- <laughs> I mean, Lisa, we need you here more often. Dude, Richie never I, I is self-evasing. Want to know what's really interesting about me, Mark? You caught me at the right time, and I'll tell you why. I, ever since COVID, had said I only want to do stuff that makes me laugh and that I have fun doing, even if it's way beneath me. I'm on your show. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I said it. You'll you'll see. I did a, uh, a show. I'm trying this new show, Sit Down and Shut Up, which is a storytelling show. You're going to be at Bucks County Playhouse. I, I just was. I just was. Just did it. And on oh, stage yeah. there, um, my co-host says to me, you know, what are you doing now? I go, nothing really. I go, I'm just doing things if it makes me laugh and I have a good time. And I said, you know, these guys, and this is a different couple of losers, not you guys. <laughs> and I go, they want me to help them with a podcast. Like I have a blast doing it because they're beginning comics and it's really fun to help people. I go, should I do it or will my brand suffer? And he's like, your brand is solid. Don't worry about it. Who gives a fuck? If you have fun, do it. So look at this. Now I'm going to be the third person. Big head, you're out, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ricky, what, what other guests have you had on your Twitch show? Well, we've Mark and I have had the podcast for three years, right? So, but we've only been on Twitch since January. Okay, so how many? What's your most famous guest you've had? Doctor Oz, I guess. Oh well, that's good. That's a clearly a hand job. <laughs> That was being nice. We'll take it. We had Dr. Oz. We had, um, I'm trying to think who you would consider famous. We had Jimmy Big Balls when he got sick. Oh, my God. My ex-husband, Jimmy Big Balls, almost died from COVID. And the only reason I'm laughing is because we're friends. And his wife called me in the hospital when he was in the hospital and said, can you call him and make him laugh and just say, hey, wake up, you big, bald cocksucker kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, I wrote that myself, by the way, Richie. I wrote that line. And, um, <laughs> got up. Jimmy loved nothing more than having COVID and almost dying because he loves being famous. No, he got so much press out of it. And it started with our show. Right, Mark? Yeah. He, we had him on our show from he his was- hospital bed. Holy crap. Yeah. And a friend of mine who was a journalist out wrote a story about him and it went viral and he was on everything after that. Yeah, he loved it. And and I think that's great because Jimmy really always had that personality. He was always so much fun to hang out with and stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad he had that little oh, thing he, happen. I, I adore Jimmy. I love both of them. They're such great people. And but you he, was, he was pretty close to death though. I mean, that was hard. Oh. You know what was weird, Lisa? I, I called him on like a Wednesday, or uh, or I I sent him a text uh, and I said, "Are you okay?" Or what? And then I didn't hear from him, and he called me Friday, that Friday, and he said that on that night when I texted him, he in his head he thought I'm gonna die. Yeah. And, and by that Friday, he had come, he had taken that uh, hydroxychloroquine or whatever, and right. it helped him so much that he was able to call me. Like 36 hours later, I'll never forget that. It was so weird. That's wild how he left his parents hanging but called you because you have a podcast. That's almost- <laughs> well, we were really hoping he was going to die on. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I, hey, you know what? We can still dream. He's large. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, when I first met, I'm really kind of upset that Big Gay Nick's not on. Big Gay oh. Nick's usually uh, in the in the chat room, and I know he'd be freaking out. Is that Big Gay Nick who used to book Stand Up New York? Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Tell him I said hi. He was always so nice to me. He was yeah, a good guy. We yeah. loved you. And this is my first uh, getting to know Lisa was I was the door guy at the club, and everybody was getting all excited. And I didn't know anything about comedy. I didn't know comedians or anything. And um, everybody was getting so excited because they're like, Lisa Lampanelli's coming. She's the queen of me. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so great. And there's this whole buildup. And I was like, 
kind of getting anxiety of like the queen of mean. This is going to be. She came in and was the nicest person ever to the entire staff. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, it's an ironic nickname. She's actually the sweetest person I've ever met. Then she went on stage and eviscerated the entire room, just slamming people. And I was like, holy shit. Like, comics are like actors. Like, I, I couldn't believe that, like, well, your stage persona and who you were to the staff was like a complete 180. Like, you were the nicest person. Well, well aren't you? That. Aren't you glad it wasn't the opposite? Because there's oh, so many comics who are such fucking phonies that put on that nice thing on stage. Like they're just, yeah, hey, you ever notice how? And then they don't even say hi or remember your name at the door. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, so, we met a lot of those ones. Oh, I know. We can name names after this goes off. Um, but the thing is, it's like I always admired Rickles because. Bob Newhart, who was his best friend, had even said, oh, between, uh, between our friendship, Rickles is the nice one off stage." Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, I have a worse temper than Rickles does. So I loved that it's like, oh, I could just be a normal person in real life. And then on stage, you do this thing and people know you don't mean it. And yes, yeah. don't do that kind of comedy anymore. And I stopped doing that kind of comedy. But the intention behind it was always to bring people together. So yeah. that's why it didn't alienate every member of the audience. Now, let me ask you a question, though. Do you think that could have worked? Like, if you brought that now, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think people have the sense of humor that they need to have because what you just hit the nail on the head. Right. Your audiences would come together. Yes. It was like, yeah, everybody was knew how it felt to be the other nationality. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. not, like everyone was made fun of, all the white people, all the black people, all the Latino people, excuse me, Latin X people, look at me, I'm woke. Um, they would always be like, oh, you know, now we're all one. Like in a Rickle show too. So you go, oh, could you do it now? Probably not. I am I was lucky because I didn't get canceled, I don't think, when I was still doing comedy because I was like, oh, I was kind of grandfathered in as this crazy girl who does this comedy. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to make, I don't know, part of me thinks when I'm 80, something's going to happen that I'll have some weird clip on TV that goes viral that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out on tour again and Richie Byrne can open for yeah, me. I got it. Because he's white and boring. <laughs> <laughs> I have said that for a while, not 80, but I've said for a while that once the pendulum starts to come back, there's going to be somebody who's going to step in and bring that kind of humor back and go, it's okay. And I've said, it's going to be you unless you don't want to. Well, the thing is right now, I think I have a moral obligation to myself to do the shows that I think are morally right for me right now. Meaning mm -hmm. like, you know, I really, I, I like in that show, sit down and shut up, which by the way, I'll do a shameless plug, go to lisalampanelli.com. It's in Phoenix next week. And also, uh, oh, Fairfield, Connecticut on April 24th, I'm doing a live stream event. So you can see it live stream if you're too scared to go out because you're a pussy and didn't get vaccinated. Wah. Uh, I personally do do a roast during that show but it's a roast that's just as vicious, but really? about people who deserve it. So <laughs> meaning, I mean, I pick out, it, it, it basically you like a roast format. There's that in that show other than the sit down part, because there's people who are inarguably awful that need to be roasted. You know, if you're yeah. laughing at the special needs guy at the grocery store bagging your groceries, you need to be roasted. So I have yeah. picked these people and really eviscerate them so it gives me a chance to use that venom but for good instead so i think yeah. funny is funny but who knows like i said hey if somehow i lose all my millions and i have to go back to coffee, <laughs> uh, uh, the joke's on you you fuckers <laughs> no but if, if god forbid it ends up oh i wanted to go back and do stand-up i think i would be able to come back in a few years maybe like i said there's something funny about an old lady um, for between my age, 60 and 80. I think it could happen. You never know. Oh, yeah. A few years ago, I did an old people show. And they were very, you know, 
You got to be clean. You got to be clean. Watch what you say. Yeah, because they never they, heard fuck. Thank you. They put up some 80-something-year-old woman before me, from and, and she got up, and she's like, so this guy's fucking me in the ass. Yeah. And, and they're all going, ha, ha, ha. Right. Like, what just happened here? Why are they laughing at her, and I have to go up and be completely clean? Well, that's the thing. That's I completely used to judge older people in the crowd and was like, it's to again, it's totally ageist. It's going, oh, they were all, they were born 80 years old. So they never laughed at Rickles yeah. or at somebody who was a little mom's Mabley or somebody edgy. No, my parents loved the dirty stuff. I remember years ago, I took my parents to see the dirtiest act on the planet, Otto and George, the best act in my opinion that's ever existed, ventriloquist act, super clever. Every joke was so clever that I go, well, my parents don't love filth, but they do like clever and they loved him. So my argument is no matter what age you are, it doesn't really matter if the stuff is good. It's good. So yeah. you know, I hope you did. You stick to the clean show or did you go? With I did. I, I actually went up and said I brought her back yeah. out and I said they told me I have to be clean. This is bullshit. Yeah. Good. 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 And you know what's funny? One time I was doing a show, and I'm telling you, sometimes the audience makeup is just so bad. It was at Mount Mary Lodge in the Poconos. This is years before I was even known or on TV. I remember when you were working there, and you, you used to book sure. me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Half the audience was special needs people. Half the audience, the other half of the room was the fucking Red Hat Society, which, if you don't know who that is, audience, it's a group of women with red hats and purple scarves to distract from their gray pubes. <laughs> with their dead husbands. So, I mean, how do you make that group laugh? That's, that's why you get paid in advance sometimes, because you go, I can't fucking compete with this. You know, I can't. Yeah. Right. I, you know, and it's what this all ties together. My father, they're Midwestern. They would come out to the comedy club at Stand Up New York. And I'll never forget when my dad would say this, and it was because of you. He goes, you know, we could end all this, like, racism in our town if they all came to New York and watched her. Because wow. she, she puts everybody in, nails everybody, and then you realize, like, Oh, we're all in the same boat together. Hundred percent. And you know what's funny? My uh, the guy who I do my show with now is a guy called Gus. Gus Constantelis. He's a Greek comic who's gay, and he has a pretty big following now on Instagram and stuff. He's really funny. He said the reason he and I hit it off was he goes when I was six years old. He goes his father always had like a little inkling he might be gay because he was always a little fay. So he said he, six years old, they'd be watching the roast and his Greek immigrant father would say to him, look, look, she say faggot. She say faggot, but she don't mean faggot. She mean good. So he <laughs> I loved you because I thought you were just bringing everybody together. And I was like, well, that's what I was trying to do. And if some people didn't get it, that was okay. Richie, thank yeah. God I started comedy when I was 30. So I already had enough of a yeah. self at least to not take it so personally if somebody hated me. Right, but that's enough with the gays now. It's too much. Too much. There's all the you gays. Know, you at Jimmy at Jimmy and Jenna's wedding. Lisa showed up. We were with at the gay. same table with a gay. And uh with a gay. And that's what she it was one of her gays. That's what she was. Is this in 1950, Richie? And my <laughs> wife got up to dance, and my wife was taking flamenco da dance lessons at the time. And Cindy went into some pose, and all you heard was Lisa's date go, oh, my <laughs> God. And he ran onto the floor to dance with her. And Lisa turned to me, and she goes, I guess we're on our own tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Tommy. Bless his heart. Like, it's so good. Gays at a wedding, that's the way to go, man. <laughs> you remember somebody used to have a joke? I think it was Otto. He's like Otto would go, "Ha, gays for people can't for people who can't multiply. Where the fuck are they all coming from?" <laughs> Otto, legitimately, you guys, if you don't know who he is, he's sadly he passed away. Otto, the dummy's probably still alive somewhere. That was George. 
He was the funniest act on the planet. I saw him once, Richie. Oh my God. I actually heard David Copperfield bought him. Really? Yeah, Yeah. David Copperfield used to hire him all the time to do private events. That's interesting. He was worth listening to now, unlike Big Head, who's contributing nothing. (laughs) Let me say, Richie, how racist is this? Okay, this is a joke even I wouldn't have done on stage. Okay, Otto's up there. He has the dummy. And there's a bunch of black women sitting in the back. And Otto goes like this. He goes, hey, have you heard about the new African-American pregnancy test? You stick a banana up her cunt. And if there's a bite taken out, it's positive. Oh, my God. These women, their heads exploded. (laughs) I think it's like back then, that's what you did. Yeah. That's some extreme shit. That guy had balls. And I remember there was a story about him once that he was doing the Copa in New York City. And the guy said, listen, you say everything dirty, nothing about the Hispanic people. No Hispanic jokes. First thing he does is go up, hey, look at this grease ball. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> Somebody got so mad they stabbed the dummy. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. Like, that dummy look realistic. That was crazy. <laughs> so, so I also I learned something really cool from watching you because you started coming to stand up New York a lot and working yeah. out stuff to take out on the road. Sure. And I, I learned how horrible comedians are because they would attack you when you weren't around and talk horribly about you. Of course. And, and say about how horrible and you're a hack and you do this and you do that. And then and you know, 19 year old Mark finally put it together. Oh, they're just afraid to go on after her. Well, some guys actually had it written, not in those small circles, but there was a few things like some of the roasts and these big, we used to do these big shows, 22,000 seats in LA with a bunch of Latino comics like Carlos Mencia, uh, Gabe Iglesias, like all these guys and Deal Ugly. And there was in some people's contracts that they wouldn't go after me, which I thought was awesome because that's <laughs> that's badass. That's some Cobra Kai shit right there. Yeah. But how I felt was this is how dumb and low self-esteem I was, Mark. I thought they hated me and it hurt my feelings. And I was like, my, my opening act at the time was like, they're super jealous because they can't do to that audience what you just did. And you, they yeah. can't get standing ovations. They'll never be famous. And I'm like, no, they can't be jealous because they're super funny. And then, like, literally after I got famous and was selling out, like, Radio City and stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, they were jealous. And I totally get it. And I totally have empathy and sympathy for them because to be mean and talk shit around about other comics is just fruitless. It's just terrible. It doesn't make any sense. That'd be like me coming on here and going, you know, that fucking cunt Amy Schumer. You know, I mean, it's like she's a fucking badass who does something completely different than I do and is way more famous. Why would I be mad? So I think all the emotional work comics won't do on themselves that they should be doing. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of, they just wanted the excuse. Mm -hmm. So if they did go on after you and then they bombed, they would go, well, it's because she's a hack. It's not, I'm great, but it's because she's a hack. She ruined the room. Well, you know what it reminds me of? Um, there was a great episode that I'm so gay. There's an episode of Sex in the City where Miranda's mad that Carrie's moving to England or to France with you know the boyfriend, and uh, she's oh, yeah. like, well, really gay. What's that? It was really gay, but go I ahead. know, I know. Sorry, straighties. Um, <laughs> she's like, um, the irony that Richie's bitching something's gay. Hey, I was on Sex in the City, so I should. And you do music. We're good too. And so she says to her, I don't think you should move with him. And she goes, Well, then don't you move with him. Like, meaning, I'm going to make the decision that's right for me. So I was always like, With these guys, it was like, Oh, she does this, she does that. I'm like, Well, then you don't do that kind of material and you stay unfamous. How's that sound? I was just like, it doesn't matter what any, by the way, doesn't matter what anybody does before you on stage or after you can own a room no matter what. Cause I used to open for a guy 
And he, this guy, Mike Sullivan Irvin, he was a really good, clever comic. And he was, uh, I was dating him at the time. We would go around the country. He would go after me. He'd have a really hard time for five minutes. But he would so bring him into his own world with the cleverness that they'd eventually buy in. So these comics, it's just terrible to even care what anyone else is doing. Because if you're not just looking at your own faults and your own stuff, then you're just going to blame someone else for you being a failure with a chicken arm named, named Todd Lynn. I mean, that's it. <laughs> literally the meanest by the way i used you, to get used to do you made my heart grow oh, just horrible, now horrible person well what happened was dude he was i always get along with todd Lynn. he was the exact opposite of what i just said about lisa yes, nice he would stage. go on stage and everybody go he's such a great nice guy and then he'd come off and yell at the staff not really? tip he was such an asshole he called me racist when i was booking stand-up new york because I wouldn't book him. He showed up and there thank God he showed up on the wrong day. There were three black comics on a four-person show. It's so when he well, called me is, racist. I was the like, thing is with the Todd Lynn's of the world, they're troubled. They're very uh there's a sadness. There's a oh my God, you know, we don't know what people have gone through to turn them into the bitter people they are. But you know, I can have that empathy now because I work on myself and it's constant therapy of going. I remember Patrice O'Neill was so mean to me. Yeah. And I yeah. said, you know what? My shrink at the time said he's your best teacher because he's going to teach you how to be resilient. And she was right. But here's the wild thing. Right before I retired from stand-up, um, I'd do a Q&A with the audience, which I still do. And somebody would always ask, who's your favorite comics? And I go, well, listen, I don't watch much comedy. But I will know who was nice to you coming up. I said, well, nobody was particularly nice that you ever heard of because they're nice. I said, but I'll tell you who was mean to me and you tell me what they had in common. And I go, Greg Giraldo, Patrice O'Neill, Joan Rivers. What do they have in common? And people go, they're dead. And I go, see, that's what happens when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? You're next, Louis C.K., okay? And by the way, he's dead to everyone who's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact is, if you're mean, it's your legacy. One last Patrice O'Neill thing. He did apologize to me, which I thought was groundbreaking because Patrice was not an apologizer. No. He called into a radio show where I was saying I was scared of him. And he called and he apologized so sincerely. And wow. then when he died, they called me the New York Magazine or something. And they were like, you know, can you give us a quote? And I go, well, I'm not going to pretend to like him now that he's dead. I mean, he was an asshole. They printed it, and his wife called me and said, Patrice would have loved that. Because you, <laughs> you meant. And isn't that beautiful? It comes full circle. He apologized. Yeah. Wife was happy. I was happy. Nobody had a lie. Yeah. I, I, well, going back to even talking about um, the guys who are jealous of you, it was the the main reason I got to get stage time is comics would refuse to go on after you. <laughs> I was a door guy and I would go, I'll go on after her. Mm -hmm. like, yep. I, I knew I was going to bomb either way. <laughs> <laughs> you could give me the sweet spot. I was still going to bomb. Right. And so I would go on, and and I love when I talk to young comics, they'll ask me about your biggest bombing story, and I get to go, I would go on after Lisa Lampanelli. Nice. People wouldn't even know I was on stage. They were too busy still talking about how funny the last person was. I love that, because that's how you get to be better. I remember I used to have to follow Chappelle every single night at the cellar when he would stop in to work on stuff. But Dave, oh, wow. Dave working on stuff was like doing the greatest set on earth. Yeah. Like he didn't really have to work that hard. So I'm cracking up going, yeah, I'll go after him. That's okay. But Richie, you know what I didn't know? Uh, Dave, I never did this too, but I didn't know you weren't supposed to make fun of the famous guy who was on before you because it's just not done. Like if Dave shows up, you don't then shit on Dave. So I never did it to him, but I remember, the Wayans brothers were hosting like some old MTV awards and they came and did a set and died like a couple of cocks. It was horrible. <laughs> and I went up and I shit on them so bad. And I was like, Oh, you're not supposed to do that. So we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
wonder you retired. No <laughs> wonder you retired. You had a problem with everybody. Everybody. Listen, <laughs> no one liked me. I didn't like anyone. It's okay. You know, it's it, when I do my big comeback, you can open for me in your wheelchair. Now you, <laughs> you had told me years ago that you, when you retired, you wanted to get. You were thinking. You were thinking about getting into management. Is that something you still think about, or no? I mean, the thing is, I when I believe in someone, I push for them. I think I'm more of a good mentor. Like right now I'm mentoring, like I said, these two guys who I'm helping with their podcast. Um, Gus, I help him with jokes and stuff. But it's almost like just for the love of it, for going, mm -hmm. oh my God, do, do, don't you remember how cool it used to be sitting around at a diner with a bunch of open micers and mm -hmm. like, like just going through jokes and going, let's try this. That's how it, it feels like an injection of that kind of energy now. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, like that's what's fun. Yeah. My, my manager, though, I've referred her to several clients who make way more money than I ever did. So she's super grateful to me. So I was like, okay, it all like works out. They get good management and I get to just kind of help them. Right. All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> great. Uh, one thing uh, to talk about Patrice, he actually did something nice for me, but I, it was, you know, for himself. <laughs> I I opened for him at the Stress Factory. And I went up and it was his audience. I mean, they were there for him. And I always had no fear of going on after someone or before someone or a, whatever audience. And uh, I went up and they audibly didn't like me. Like when I came on stage, they were like oh. doing that teeth suck thing. And I bombed for 20 minutes straight. And then I thought he was going to either have me fired or you know whatever, and he went on stage and started doing my act. He started doing my jokes that I just did, and he was crushing. Wow. And then he goes, "You guys are a bunch of racist fucks." That <laughs> dumb white kid was up here telling these same jokes. You wouldn't even listen. Wow. And then he love that. <laughs> it was you know there was something about Patrice. You know, yes, he was iconic, and I think the reason he and I had so much hate between us was because he didn't think I was honest enough on stage. And he's right. I should have talked more about my real life and stuff. I, you know, he, the big issue I had with him and still do is that he was really mean to open micers. Like he would yeah. be like, quit the business. You fucking suck. And this, I'm like, Oh, punch up instead of down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think in his heart, he probably was a really cool person and, but damaged. I think we're all so damaged. Just everybody has a lot of pain and it's worth managing it rather than sort of punching down at people. That's hard not to though. It's hard to really actually go internal and work on your shit. Yeah. I, and I think the thing with Patrice was he always went against the grain. If everybody liked something, he yeah. would attack it. And if everybody attacked something, he would defend it. And you were, I mean, you still are very popular. Right. So I think it was in his DNA to then go against you because sure. the audience is like you. So now I'm going to attack you and tell you why I'm right. Right. And part of me thinks that's just such a weird way to be of a contrarian. Because I remember like right when my off-Broadway play was premiering, I was lucky enough to get a lot of press. And I went on this show where it's this one guy and he's pretty famous in theater critique circles. He's the one critic who hated Hamilton. And I'm like, dude, I wore my, like I had ordered, I was such a big fan of Hamilton. I wore like a Hamilton dress and everything. I was like, I wore this for you, Michael. Hey. And he goes, I go, when the camera's turned off, I go, did you really hate Hamilton? He goes, oh no, I just like being a contrarian. And it's just <laughs> like, that's like not a thing. Like just be real and be open and honest. Like we all like popular things. Things are popular for a reason, by the way. Like just <laughs> it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. Right. I like some lowest common denominator shit, including Richie Byrne. There, I've said it. <laughs> by the way, the reason I mentioned Richie is because he was getting low self-esteem because he was like, why aren't they including me? Yeah. <laughs> the you one know, thing I, I love about co-hosting. Like 10 minutes, so I was a little upset. I love I love co-hosting with Richie because if we're not talking about Richie within about 15 minutes, you see him going like. <laughs> oh, guaranteed. 
Guaranteed. He's not even <laughs> looking at us. He's reading his Instagram to see how few followers he has. First of all, I, I've been doing notes on you for a week. I have all these fucking notes. And like how stupid was what a waste of time. It was like just let her run. You've been you've been yeah. talking for a fucking hour here. Listen, <laughs> that's what's called interplay. That's what's called organic, okay? Don't worry. Is there since I'm pressed for time because I got an old woman to go see, what the fuck? Four minutes you have left, Richie Byrne. What is your most burning <laughs> issue to ask me about? Look in your notebook. Um <laughs> Well, talk about your show. Talk about your show. Talk oh, about your show. Oh, yeah, okay. So I'm doing a show. You guys, if you live in New York or even if you don't, there was a there's a place called the 92nd Street Y where they interview very famous people. Yes. So I love that format because it's two people sitting down having a conversation. Well, I wrote a show around that kind of format, which is a lot of stories about my evolution, my retirement, food, body image. So it's basically sitting down and telling stories that are actually really funny. So then what I do is I tour it around the country. We're trying it in Phoenix next week at Stand Up Live is the place I believe it's called. Uh, then we're doing it in Fairfield, Connecticut, live stream and also live in person. That's April 24th. Go to lisalampanelli.com for tickets. And by the way, Richie, I kind of resent the fact that live streams only half price of the live experience. Like, what the fuck is that? You're still getting the show and you get to not get AIDS or COVID. So you tell me why I'm not having more money in my pocket. I want to know. You're right. 100%. No lodging, no travel. That money should go to you. I get cock. I get who got. (laughs) (laughs) Now Richie's interested. He wants to get some cock. I heard cock. Can I I just tell you that I've known you 30 years, and I only found out today that you don't spell Lampanelli with an I. No. What happens is I have a real last name. It's Lampugnelli. This is a terrible, terrible comedy last name. So what I did was I had a brainstorm session with a guy at the time. This is 20 years ago. I said, what do I respell my name so these idiots in Iowa and all these horrible (laughs) places – figure out how to say it. Lampanelli, boom, there it is. Everybody's happy. Because I, but I, I knew you when you were Lampanelli, but I, I sent Tom your email and I put L-A-M-P-I-N and he writes back, goes, so her email is different than her name. And I'm like, <laughs> no, Tom, it only dawned on me today that it's L-A-M-P-A-N. Well, well, dawned on you, oh, Richie. This is why you're a donkey, and no one likes you. What <laughs> <laughs> to say about that? But yeah, and thank you for being my oldest friend in comedy who doesn't know my name. I really appreciate yes, it. I have no yeah. fucking idea. No wonder I can't get emails to you. I've been spelling your name wrong all these years. Too bad the one didn't slip through the crack that asked me to be on this stupid thing. <laughs> That's the one I get. That's the one I'm lucky enough to see and feel guilty about. I also think it's funny that you have AOL still. Oh, it's the best. I it's- would think Lisa Lepinelli would be up on all this shit, but you're you're still. I'm old school, my brother. I don't know what the Twitch is. I don't know what this other <laughs> stuff is. I enjoy an AOL. And I enjoy having a modem. I think cable, I will I will never cut the cord. Don't anybody ask me to I stream. Yeah, I got your Netflix and your Hulu's and your this, your that, your other. But I'm always going to have a TV with antenna TV and no else am I supposed to watch Dennis the Menace and Hazel in the morning. Anyway, that's something for you to work on. I watch Hazel in the morning. I want you to do an updated version of Hazel with me as the cunty maid. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mr. B. You could be Mr. B, the white double boss, and you have the hot wife, and I could be Hazel, who goes, hey, Mr. B, I want to go to the bowling alley. Hey. You know, that'd be good. Write that up. Write that up. (laughs) Look at that. I have to go now. (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you when i'm bored (laughs) well you have to go because my other but my podcast friends 
We just developed a show for them called Losers with a Dream. I lent them that title from the roast. I used to say that about the guys on the dais. And we have to go record two episodes now. So Lisa Lampanelli is off of Twitch as of now. <laughs> but, where can we find that? Where can oh, we find Losers with a Dream? <laughs> 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 Now, you can find it just the iTunes. It's going to be premiering Monday, April 12th on the iTunes. It's a podcast called Losers with a Dream. And I am the producer slash sitting around and tell them what to do and then yell. <laughs> I like it. I, next Thursday, Mark and I are doing a telethon for a charity event. What charity? It's called uh, Losers Without Dreams. No. Seriously? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, he was a, a buddy of ours. His name is Mike Rowe. He's not the Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, but he was our security guy. He was oh. our uh, a security guy over in the Middle East for anybody who traveled over with the USO or Armed Forces Entertainment. He ran security and he does. Um, uh, he has martial arts. He trains. Um, <laughs> the, the funny version is he trains, uh, you know, criminals. To be better fighters, but he, he gets people off the streets, and he and he's helping. We're, and, um, we're doing a twenty-four hour telethon, and we'd love you to come on if you can. Listen, Just, you can absolutely count me out, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I am unfortunately going to be on a plane for oh, you are you twenty-four are. hours. The flight is. <laughs> that's how cheap I am. Uh, I can do it, Richie. I'll squeeze it in because I'm a nice person. I think uh, we've done enough for you already, though. <laughs> I have to go take a leak now. Right. I love you. To the real studio. Thank you for doing this. Now, sincerely, in my heart, I love you guys, man. I love you too, babe. I, you guys are cool as F. Guy with the big head, I'm sorry. I hope that doesn't give you a little self-esteem. It's, really, it's proportionate to your enormous body. <laughs> Com. Get tickets for April 24th. Live stream. Sit down and shut up. I love you, bitches. Love you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry. I, I know you teach youth, not criminals, but I thought it was funny to say that you're getting kids off the street and teaching them to fight better. <laughs> We've never had a guest leave before. I know. I'm, that was I'm, great. I'm, uh, is Frank? Does Frank have a show? Are we leading into Frank? Yes. Yeah, they're yeah. ready to go. So we will. Uh, anybody that's, <laughs> I'm so. Fun. I feel like I've been in a boxing match for an hour. I know. She. I mean, that was just that was so fun, and we have to stay in touch and have her come back because that was that's just. Her, and people don't understand. That's her all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just like that nonstop. She has so much energy. She's amazing. She really is. <laughs> so so anybody watching, uh, when we switch over, all you have to do is hit the refresh button, and we have Night Meds with Frank Vignola. Um, we thank you guys. We have a, a couple things coming up. Uh, this Friday, the 9th, we have uh, Road Comics and City Comics talking about how to work both. Um we're going to discuss um, – we have a couple of comics coming on. We're going to talk about that. And that's at 2.30. But then at 5, we have Hysterical. Uh, we have a group of, uh, of women that are coming on to discuss the, uh, the new documentary that was just on FX and uh, talk about how that uh, inspires and influences that we have uh, really funny women out there. And uh, we want to make sure we celebrate them. And then uh, the 15th to the 16th, we yep. have a marathon show. We're going to get that information up so everybody can uh, so everybody that uh, can uh, join us. And we're going to raise some money for Mike. And then um, what else do we got? The 14th, we have Paul Verzi coming oh, on. Yeah. It's going to be a great show. The very funny. He's he's amazing. Uh, him and Bill Burr do a ton of stuff together. Um, it was really awesome to watch Paul launch into the stratosphere. And then on the twenty first, we have J D Shapiro. Uh, he was the winner of the Razzie for worst screenplay, um, Battlefield Earth, and uh, he totally has such a great story behind it. So Does please tune in. Watch it. 
You you don't have to watch it. I tried to watch it. It is really bad. He will tell you not to watch it. it and really dude, bad. the story behind it is hysterical. Um, he basically got hijacked because he also wrote Robin Hood Men in Tights, and uh, they wanted to use his name. And uh, it's it's a really great. I can't wait to have JD on. He's also a stand up. He's very funny. We're gonna have a good time with him. Um, I'm Mark Rigadana. Uh, we got Richie and Tom. You guys have anything you want to plug? No, yeah. stay tuned. Stay tuned for Frank. Definitely stay tuned for Frank. Yep, stay tuned for Frank and stay tuned for Hiam. Jason is on tonight. Hi, also, Jason. we have Ace Aceto with Behind. behind, behind the... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to let you say. So we have Ace Aceto launching tonight with his new podcast on the station at 830. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah. Tonight is the first night for it, so I'm excited about that. We have a yeah, whole a lot of new shows. On. Great, Vinny's Vinny's show did great, right? Vinny Nardiello's show did great. The the, uh, the community theater, yes, right? indeed. And, and we uh, we just have so much going on I on this. Agree, page. Don't, don't listen to Lisa <laughs> Pinelli. <laughs> she was amazing. I definitely, I, I can't wait to have her back. I feel like she was hysterical. We, I, I legitimately did not get another word in Edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> She's the only person that could keep Tom at bay. <laughs> I, right? I, I was, stop. And Polly, yeah, she said, "I had a blast. Thank you so, so much." So, and my my wife wrote me a message. She was like, "Why does she hate you?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, his friends, look at how she treats me. <laughs> and Polly, real quick, uh, your dream is going to come true. Uh, Tom and I are going to, we're messing around with times. We're going to have something coming up. Find something, I promise, guys. But stay tuned. We have Night Meds coming on right now. We're going to be talking about some serial killers. We're going to be talking, I think you guys will really uh, take to it. So without further ado, thank you all for tuning in to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. Thank you, Richie. Thank you, Mark. We'll see you. you. Oh, oh yeah, and I'm drinking seltzer and vodka. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night.